time for the Liz Calloway Show. You asked for it, and we got it. Now, 6 to 10 weekday mornings. Always local. Always live. Always right. Now, put the throttle down again. Here we go now. Put the throttle down again. Here we go now. Put the throttle down again. Here we go now. Put the down. Here's Liz and Nick on Talk 94.5. It is 9.08 on the Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers. Welcome to your Tuesday morning, November 14th. Every other week, we get a chance to speak with this next guest. The Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers, bringing you the voices that make you think right now on Talk 94.5. Bryce Fielder of the South Carolina Policy Council is joining us. He's a senior policy analyst. Good morning, Bryce. Hey, good morning, Liz. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for joining us and always keeping us up to date on things that we need to keep an eye out for. Um, I was reading one of the um, articles on scpolicycouncil.org about a new report that recently came out regarding um, small businesses, or really any business uh, in South Carolina. Can you tell me what this is about, the civil liability system within the state? Um, it looks yeah. like there's some reform that you're looking for. Yes, absolutely. So this basically this whole year, we've been looking closely at South Carolina's liability system, and this is an issue that's gotten a lot of attention recently in local papers and media around the state. And it's been picking up steam because this is an issue that's really having an impact on businesses, uh, especially small and medium-sized businesses. So here's kind of how it works in South Carolina. Here, you either as an individual or a business can be forced to pay legal damages in excess of what you actually cause for an injury. So, you know, when, when you talk about things like legal liability, there's a lot of legal jargon that gets thrown around. The, the term for the system that we have is called joint and several liability. Um, technically, it's a modified version of that, and I'll get to what that means. But let me kind of present you with an example to illustrate how this works. So, if there is a car accident with three drivers. Um, the first driver is the one that gets hit. They sustain, let's say, $200,000 in damages. They weren't at fault for the injury. Of the other two drivers, you have one that is, let's say, 51% at fault, and the other one is 49% at fault. Here, the injured person can either uh, recover damages proportionally from those drivers, or they could collect all of the damages from the one driver who is 51% at fault. So that is effectively what joint and several liability means, is that you can be forced to pay for damages in excess of what you you actually cause. And there's all sort of implications for individuals, for businesses. It gets even more precarious if alcohol is involved. And so I'd kind of love to just open it up and, and talk a little bit more about that. You know, that just reminds me of that situation down in Folly Beach, I think it was, where that... Um alleged drunk driver crashed into the bride's uh, golf cart, killing her and maiming three others and how there were, uh, you know, her employer and then the other bar she went to also being named in the suit. Is that something that you're talking about? Yes. You know, under the current system, it can drag in other parties who, look, if you are at fault for an incident, you shouldn't get off the hook. I mean, certainly we want to hold wrongdoers accountable to the extent allowed uh, under the law. However, we, you know, we just think it's fundamentally unfair for a person that's, say, 
5% at fault for an injury among several other parties for that person to have to pay a disproportionate amount of damages once the, you know, the ink is dry. Um, speaking of kind of accidents in, or, or incidents involving accident, uh, alcohol, I'll give you another example, a story that we heard earlier this year that I think really illustrates just how um, ridiculous this current system can be. So recently we heard how one restaurant who had served uh, one beer to a, an individual in the morning was held liable for what they did later on in the day. So that person, they had come into the morning. It was like 8 o'clock. They worked the overnight shift, so it was pretty early for them. They order breakfast. They order a beer. They leave. No problems. After leaving, they go to five other bars. They drink at those bars. And then that evening at like 10 o'clock, they're responsible for causing a car wreck. So this was like 12 hours after going to that first restaurant. But under South Carolina's system, that first restaurant still had to pay out a quarter of a million dollars through its insurance provider, despite just serving one beer. And we've heard countless stories about this. Um, It is obviously fundamentally unfair and financially ruining a lot of small businesses that are you know, you think about this case, they didn't do anything wrong. They and, checked the person's ID. And it, ha- it hurts the person to get insurance later on. I mean, even if they go under another name and, you know, go bankrupt on that loss, I mean, like, you know, it's going to be hard. Did you ever make an insurance, have an insurance claim or anything? It prevents them from really getting insured again. It does. And because what's happening, actually and this is what we heard from the same individual, is that a lot of insurance providers, specifically those that provide insurance to cover alcohol, are leaving the state. It's mm-hmm. just not a tenable environment, economically oh, yeah. speaking. And so what that leaves you with is just a few providers. And when you have fewer options, the prices are going to go up. So businesses are really feeling this on the back end financially. Mm-hmm. And there's another component to, to think about this as well. A few years ago, the legislature passed a law that says that any business that has um, a license to serve liquor has to have a minimum million-dollar yes. liquor liability insurance mm-hmm. policy. And so, I mean, you think about how much the premiums for that would be as this environment kind of wreaks havoc, and it, it's just crushing businesses. And it's also signaling to those that would think about moving here that maybe they should think twice before coming to South Carolina. Yeah. And just a side note, I had a beer and wine license for a breakfast lunch place I had so I can serve mimosas, you know. Um, And I did I had to get an affidavit saying we weren't open past 5 p.m. So I didn't have to get that one million dollar liability. And meanwhile, the insurance agents were like, you should just get it anyway. You should get it anyway, because they're going after everybody. If there's someone comes there and gets liquored up, has six mimosas and gets into a wreck, they're coming for you. So, I mean, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I was like, wait, what? You know, I mean, so it, 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 it is something. And I'm just wondering, is it because they're keeping it this way? and not really trying to do anything about it in the state legislature, because many of them are lawyers that actually make money off of this. I I do think there's an element of that. Look, if you want to take it from the good faith perspective, some people may argue, well, this is the most effective way to hold those wrongdoers accountable. However, under the current system, you're ensnaring so many businesses that are following the rules and you're forcing them to pay for things they simply did not cause. Mm. And I think the story that you tell about, you know, that person coming to you has probably seen other instances of these attorneys go after 
similar businesses. Mm -hmm. So they were speaking from a place of experience, maybe trying to get to a fair warning. Um, There is certainly a financial interest if you are an attorney that litigates these cases that you want a legal environment like this because that gives you a lot of potential people to go after. A third of more Um, money is a third of a lot more money. I mean, that's that's what they're going. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. We know we have an ethics issue in the state legislature, don't don't we? We do. There are there are um, issues at play with kind of how not just that the rules are lax, but the enforcement mechanisms are pretty weak. And that's an issue that we've worked on and we want to see change. Um, But I want to talk a little bit just about Obviously, there's the fairness element. I think that's kind of abundantly clear, but also the economic impact that this can have on the state. So as we were looking at this issue, we found a really important statistic from a survey just a couple years back. And it said, and it surveyed kind of various business representatives, and it found that 89% of these business representatives said that a state's litigation climate is likely to affect their decisions, their important business decisions, including where to locate. Mm-hmm. Half of them said it is very likely. So you have this really big share of business leaders saying, basically, if your state has a poor legal environment, we're taking that into consideration before we decide where to locate. And so you have to think about, of you know, given the backdrop of South Carolina effectively buying and paying businesses to move here, how how many would be moving here organically if we had a fairer, less punitive legal environment that would encourage them to do so naturally? I just think that's an important point to consider, too. So I did put the link to your article, um, which also includes a link to the report um, that says how this is bad for business, this unfair civil liability system. What can be done? What is in the works? What should we be paying attention to? And maybe, you know, reaching out to our um, legislator. Well, let me start with that part first, because this is one of those issues that I think really has a lot of potential for reform, because you have so many individuals, business owners that are directly being affected by this. And there has really been sparked a kind of inspiring grassroots movement to see something happen on this issue. For instance, there's a a, a coalition called the SC Venue Crisis. They've been doing really good work on this. They represent a lot of business owners that are getting beat up by this law. And if the state legislators are going to listen to anyone, it would be those business owners in their community that are directly feeling this. Um, in terms of kind of what can be done about it, we've we've identified three bills, um, two of which would make an important change that would improve things, uh, one of which would effectively reform the system and, and deliver the most fair. Uh, without getting kind of too lost in the weeds, basically, current law, let's say you go to trial. Um, the jur- and, and you're the only defendant uh, in this trial. Current law prohibits judges or juries from considering the actions of non-parties in a case. So let's say an incident happens and an outside a party that's responsible for the incident settles, and then you have another trial with another defendant. Well, currently, the jury or judge cannot consider that settlement for purposes of allocating fault. So it really screws with the math. And basically, it, it leads to more individuals being held liable in excess of what they actually cost. So the two laws would fix that. Mm-hmm. Um, the third one would get rid of the joint several liability system that we have entirely. And it would basically say, if you are 40% at fault for an incident, you should pay 40% of the damages. If you're 80% at fault for an incident, you should pay 
but not in excess of what you actually cost. And so from our perspective, those are the most, that's the most fair system. Um, we've spoken with several legislators on this issue. We, we're really hoping that some committee hearings are scheduled early this upcoming session, which starts in January, um, so that they can pass out of committee, get to the floor early, and have the best chance of passing. But, you know, there are going to be some obstacles along the way. I was reading in your report that um, there are some states that have this type of pure uh, liabilities or this pure several liability model. Um, is there a policy out there somewhere that you think we should be duplicating from what state? Yeah, I mean, any any state that follows the, the, the term that we would be looking for is several liability. But what that effectively means is, you know, you're only held liable for the percentage of fault that you actually mm -hmm. cause. So we would get rid of this system that currently forces people to pay in excess of what they cause and move to one where it's based, you know, if you're 40%, that's what you owe, right. 80%, that's what you owe. And we have seen, as we talk about in this report, um, more states moving to that model, including those in the Southeast. And then you have to think about that from a competitiveness standpoint, as South Carolina tries to, and claims that it's a pro-business state, well, we have other places nearby that have these more acceptable legal environments. Businesses are going to look at that when they're deciding where to locate. Um, and so, you know, there's a fairness point. There's also a business point. What is it going to look like in five, ten years if we don't do anything? How bad is that going to be for our economy? I mean, to me, Bryce, it just seems like a no-brainer, like a common-sense thing that you pay for the damage. If you're found to be liable, then you should pay for your part of liability. I I can't imagine that there's anything else going on, right? And that's really what your organization does and what you do is you analyze this policy and, um, and recognize uh, chances for reform to make it better and, and to make it better for businesses because that is the backbone of the state, these small and uh, medium-sized businesses. So, uh, But I did share that link on our, our page. We appreciate uh, your time and, and your efforts, and we'll talk to you in, in a couple of weeks. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Liz. All right. If you want to get more information and uh, see what else Bryce Fielder is uh, writing about, you can go to scpolicycouncil.org.